On today's episode of the Trade Busters Podcast, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. Now, at this point in time, I would imagine that most, if not all of you listening to this podcast, found it through the Facebook group, Tasty Trade Options. Um, I've been a member of that group for a couple of years now, so I know uh, there's been some people who have been following my content for a little while, and I know there's a lot of new members that get added every single day. So today, I wanted to um, basically chat with one of our own members from the group. And the idea behind this, uh, the segment's called, um, well, I'm going to be calling these uh, Real Talk with Real Traders or Real Chat with Real Traders. And the idea is to show that behind every name and every face and every trader, there is, you know, a real person. Emphasis here is on the real, right? Because regardless of experience level, regardless, uh, regardless of success level, there's a real person with real stories, real emotions. Um, and I want to kind of just showcase different members and, and let them tell their story and their experiences. And the, the purpose of these segments is twofold. One is I, I know up until now, some of my content and the podcast are, are a little heavy in terms of the, the math content and um, the types of strategies I do may not be suitable for newer traders or people who don't have a lot of capital. So I wanted to provide some content that hopefully will provide some value for for traders of all experience levels. And the second thing is I wanted to help kind of grow the sense of community. Um, I mentioned I've been in this group for a while, and it's it's grown a lot. But even as it's grown, um, the, the moderators have done a good job of, of keeping the quality up. Um, you know, they keep out a lot of the spammers, and they really encourage uh, this culture of sharing and, um, you know, positive criticism and feedback and, and just this continued sharing of ideas. Um, and right now, I think... The, the group is over 10,000 members, and uh, for me, and he was, I, I probably, and I post pretty frequently, and I follow the group, and I recognize maybe, you know, 50, maybe no more than 100 people that are posting frequently, and, and so the other idea is to, I want to encourage people, you know, and it's okay not, not to post, but I want to really let you see that um, there's people out there who may be going through the same experience, and so hopefully let you relate to them and especially a familiar face, somebody that you may have seen in a group before. And so, and hopefully maybe encourage you to, to do your own post or reach out when you have a question or something. And again, it's okay if you don't, but um, you know, at the very least, if somebody uh, gets the feeling that, hey, they're not alone and someone's going through the same thing, um, hopefully there's some value there as well. So anyways, um, without further ado, uh, please enjoy my chat with our first guest today, Ryan Miller. All right. All right. Welcome, Ryan. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Trade Busters podcast and being my uh, first guinea pig. <laughs> I mean, uh, my first guest <laughs> on my, my new segment, uh, Real Talk with Real Traders. And uh, we talked a little bit beforehand. But uh, yeah, the idea is just to kind of grow the community and, and get some stories that people relate to, bring people from specifically the Tasty Trade group. I've seen you, you know, post a little bit here and there. So maybe some recognizable uh, people can recognize the name i'm gonna get some other people that people have been following for a while so just kind of all levels of uh of, of skill level um low um newbies and intermediate and you know advanced traders as well so um i guess we can just start off and tell a little bit about yourself um kind of like how long you've been trading either uh options specifically or maybe some people do stocks first and then get into options yeah sure uh thank you for having me um happy to be your first guinea pig for this <laughs> sure. whole thing. Yeah, so I guess I got started in trading in 2017. I had purchased some Bitcoin on that way up, 
And after I doubled my money and realized I need to try to protect this investment, I didn't trust it to keep going up like that. I said, I got to figure out what to do here. Um, so that kind of got me started on researching trading, technical analysis, and that just took me down this rabbit hole. And I've been a, a student of the markets ever since, really. Okay. So um, I've basically been trading cryptos and stocks, uh, not much options, maybe, you know, buying calls and puts kind of thing, but uh, not much in the tasty trade work uh, strategy ideas that they have uh, until, until recently, really. But so basically about four, three or four years of trading stocks and crypto, primarily in a trend following manner. Okay. And what I found is that, you know, that's a very streaky approach sometimes you have very big winning time sometimes yeah there's yeah but that's what trend following that's what trend following is basically yeah right? yeah right okay and so like in the the covid bounce i was able to actually do 200 percent plus on my stock account nice i was super happy with that and then the first quarter of this year had a almost 50 percent drawdown using that approach and i was like wow okay i got very lucky with the covid bounce but you know it's not the yeah. most robust like, strategy potentially like, so are you, are you still up overall from that long streak because i mean 50 percent is pretty heavy but like if you're up 200 and down 50 you're still kind of up yeah i'm actually still positive for the year okay now. That's, that's good to know right I, so the from january to february i think i increased by 50 percent, and i just went back down to where i started for the year got it okay um yeah. and then go ahead the, the four end options what was the catalyst did you just google a bunch of stuff you know option alpha tasty trade what was your kind of uh well, so I was familiar with Tasty Trades. Uh, I watched some of their videos when I was first learning about stocks and trading and whatnot. So I was familiar with Tasty Trades a little bit, but hadn't really given it much thought. Um, I'm a very analytical person too. So I'm an engineer, a mechanical engineer by day. That's my day job. Yeah. And, and so one of the reasons why I liked um, trend following and, or any kind of thing I do is that I can back test it or I can see that mathematically this is supposed to work out over time or you know historically has at least. Right. I don't really trust anything. I can't put in a spreadsheet or see a back test of or anything like that. Uh, that's kind of a, a big thing for me. And so with options, I had kind of stayed clear of them because none of the things I've seen able or allow you to back test them. Um, so yeah, I didn't that, really... that's pretty hard. So many variables, right. especially. Yeah, getting right. the data really and them. being able to trust the testing and everything. Yep. So I never really uh, bothered with them because of that reason. And I order canceled. I hope that wasn't a stop. You just hit there. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that. Huh? <laughs> that was, <laughs> I think that was a, let's see if that was a stop or a, <laughs> or, or profit. That was a profit you, target. It, it sounds exactly like the interactive brokers. Yeah. I, I recognized it right away. I don't know yeah. if the listeners will hear that, but I was like, oh, there it is. You yeah, no, that, that was a profit target that hit today for my one DTE strategy nice. I'm working on. Okay. I'm um, just doing small amounts, trying to gain data that I can use for, for expectancy calculations and things. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, um, so I define sort of account size by, you know, small being, you know, PDT and under 25K, medium is uh, between PDT and portfolio margin, about 100K mark, and then large is above that. Um, do you mind saying if you're kind of in a small, medium or large, at least a allocation to options trading at this point in time? Um, allocation options I would call medium. Yep. Okay. Okay, cool. And, and um, you know, I know you said your story about the, the drawdown and everything, but specifically with the options. And you've only been doing that for the last, you said, three months, I think, three Thanks. or four months. So I started looking at it, I guess, in the May timeframe and actually started trading it in June. Okay. So, so, so really, so really not very long. Okay, good. Yeah. And then, and when did you join or find the, the Tasty Trade Options, the Facebook group? Well, so I actually stumbled across Tammy's Zero DTE um, video on, yeah. on YouTube. 
Okay. And she had mentioned this this group on there. And I also have a friend um, who who is originally the guy who who pointed me to this strategy. Um, and I, I believe he's a member too, but he's not super active. And um, you know, so after watching her video, I saw all of her data and back tests, and I was right. like, wow, okay, here's the first time I've ever seen options that have been you know, looked at from an analytical perspective. Yeah, systematic, right? Systematic, yeah. And, and so that really piqued my attention. And, you know, I was talking about the trend following. One of the reasons why I was, I've been looking for something to complement it, right? So it's very streaky. It's got hot and cold periods. Right. You're, you're a, you're really um, susceptible to what the market's doing. And so I was, I don't know, the last few months, I've been trying to think of what's a good way to sort of balance that out. And I was thinking a mean reversion strategy might be a good one to have in parallel, just kind of have a diversified strategy mm -hmm. portfolio, if you will. Um, and when I came across a zero DTE thing, I was like, hey, this actually checks a lot of these boxes because if the market's moving sideways, my trend following is not doing much, but this, right. this strategy does. Right. It keeps you out of the market for big overnight risk events, which I really like that idea too. Uh, one of the things about my trend following is I'm also on a margin account. So when things are going really well, I might be loaded up with positions in overnight. Yeah, you know, I'm, right. I'm a swing trader basically, so I might be in, you know, 100% margin positions. Like during the COVID bounce, I was maxed out on margin a lot of times. Um, Got it. And if that turns on you, there's a big drawdown in that in, in that area. I always have stop levels or stop losses in place, so it's never going to, you know, like margin call me or anything like that. But yeah. It, yeah. Uh, as a percentage of your actual capital, it can really take a big ding on those gap down days. True, right. Um, so in a way, this zero DTE strategy seemed to me like it would be a good complement to that because it would keep me out of so many margin longs or, or margin positions in order to have some buying power for that strategy. It would make income on sideways days. And it seemed, um, at least from her back test, like it was not as streaky, like re repetitive enough that you could kind of rely on it for a, a good balancing and smoothening of the uh, sure uh, profit and, or profit. And um, are you doing mostly that, or have you been trying other types of trades? Like, what kind of trades, options trades, have you been doing? You know, besides zero DT, are you experimenting with some of the safety trade stuff, the longer dated things, or you know, I've been researching I, them and looking into them. So I think I want to do a forty-five day and the zero DTE and kind of do both of them. I also want to make sure I'm not using too much buying power so I can still do my normal stock trading as well. I'm trying to have right, this, right. You know, different approaches here. Um, but so right now it's mostly focused in on what I'm actually like running test on capital is zero and one DTE. Okay. Just because I don't, part of the appeal to me is the no overnight risk. I saw sure. with that dump the other day that a few of you guys kind of got taken out on a few, uh, seven dte trade yeah no no i got my book wiped clean but it was small yeah. right like for me like it, it's just part of the process so right didn't really um, pay much attention and and uh so in the two months like how how has that been going um yeah how's it been going so i'm net down after uh right now as of you know mid late july during the during june uh, is when i first started putting money in i started doing like single contracts right uh, just to kind of get the feel of the mechanics and you know really so June was awesome. So yes, in June, June was right. Yeah. In June, I ended up saying, wow, this is like, what an amazing strategy this is. And I was, I was keeping data of all my trades and I was seeing what my percent profitability was and mm -hmm. how much I'm risking, how much I'm losing. I, I, I'm very analytical about all that kind of stuff. And right. um, based on the, my stat, now granted, it's not very, you know, very long of stat keeping, but I started increasing my size 
um, accordingly. You know, I use I, a lot of times right. I use the Kelly criterion to yeah, yeah. Know what your position size is. And so I was doing like one eight Kelly. Okay, um, I was gonna say no full. You can't go full Kelly on zero DT because no, no, is, no, no, no. The Kelly doing, ratio is extremely high, so that's that's how strong it is. If you go full Kelly, you run out of buying. I, don't, I, I would never go full Kelly on anything, but yeah. I was doing one eighth Kelly. And then uh, my my buddy who's also doing the strategy has a little bit of a looser stop loss rule. And so okay. I was that, that's one of the questions I had early on is like, what is the right stop loss? Because I was doing uh, I'm doing spreads and not uh, just naked shorts. Uh, so it uh you know, if you're trying to do a, a calculated risk reward, you know, your reward is the credit received, which is yes. your, your short price minus right. your, your long price if you're doing a spread. Right. And so in my mind, I've always been thinking that I need to be combining, you know, actually using my credit received, including the long as part of my uh, stop loss strategy, right? And so, um, you know, in, in Tammy's presentation and, I, and a lot of people on the the Facebook and, group, they, they right. talk about doing a three X on the short only. And then right. me to, and I talked to you a little bit about this over some chat before, but it didn't make as much sense to me because let's say you get stopped out early in the day on a three X of your short. Well, your long is still worth something there. And if that right. long then goes to zero, your, your loss is actually more than three X your credit. Yes, you are correct. You, you right. basically stumbled upon a phenomenon. I, I kind of described this in episode of my podcast, or I forget which one, but the considerations for spread trading. So that is effectively the, the behavior and risk reward profile of the spread morphs as the long decays, right? And you get that's exacerbated on zero DT because you're losing all the value of the long pretty much. I mean, some people talk about keeping it on and you might recover some, but that's not reliable and you want a reliable statistic. So yeah, um, that's actually one thing I noticed yesterday, in fact, doing zero DTE is that my long was barely in the money or sorry, my, uh, my call side was barely in the, barely in the money. And I had to take off my spread stop and move it just to the short because the long at the end of the day, wasn't worth anything. There was no bidders. For yeah. Yeah. You won't be able to get out. You can't right. close it. So, so that's, so that's, that's a caveat to this, putting a stop on the spread method is that at the end of the day, you probably got to switch it to just a stop on the short. But at that yeah. point, I'm lowering. It's not. It's no longer a three x the short value. It's three x still my total credit. So that my dollar risk is always the same. So in that case, here's another part of that. When you do it on the just the short, you're essentially doing a smaller stop relative to just a naked short credit to begin with. So that actually kind of lowers your win rate relative to putting a stop on just a short because you're yep. widening. So so I, I, like I, said, I talk about that in my other episodes, but those are the two sort of uh, disadvantages of, of trading as a spread. Um, yeah. and, and, and the other way is just, if you want to do a spread for buying power, you can go for, further out and for the zero DT, you can, you know, pay just a nickel and then just treat it as dead weight. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. but one, on one the thing flip side, that's not a real, it's not as possible because the long usually is worth, worth something. It, it depends but, if you're, if you're willing to allocate the buying power, right. You, that's the trade-off, right. You can you allocate more buying power, but it's a cleaner, cleaner statistic. So yeah. again, it's all trade-off, but one thing I want to Kind of ask you about you mentioned uh scaling up right and then so of course june happened you scaled up and july happened july has not been very good right so right. i'm assuming you're you scaled up and kind of took bigger losses is well, that what two things happened with there so originally my stop level was not 3x my spread but rather 4x because i identified okay. what you're talking about how right, right. 3x a spread on a uh, 3x a stop on a spread is going to work out to more you know depends on the time of day but I was thinking it would be more like working out to a 4X stop on the short only because right. 
you look at the value of the shorts and you go up to where you might stop out on the short in the option chain, you can see that um, really a 4X spread value at that any given point in time is, is worth the you know, 3X short value. Um, so I had to 4X on my spreads initially. Um, so I was losing a little bit more on okay, those so, lost days. So there's that, then, right. Yep. The other lesson I learned, and this is something I talked with you about, and you addressed it in your one of your recent podcasts about targeting credit, is that when your stop is based upon the credit received, that credit is a huge impact on how your strategy is going to play out. So exactly right. Yeah. And so I guess I didn't. I, I learned that the hard way because I bought a a call spread for like thirty five cents, and it very quickly moved against me, and I was like. Oh man, this is like I, I, you know, at that point I realized what I did. You know, I should not ever accept credit that's that small. Right. But, right. But you know, I was already in the trade, and so at that point I was like, well, I'm gonna take my my buddy's you know loose stop loss idea because you know let it kind of work out in the end, and I, I put like a 10x stop on it or something stupid, and it stopped out. So <laughs> okay. so between um, the other oh the other mistake I made was not putting on iron condors all the time because because of this low credit reason. I, was, I wasn't sure. getting any credit on the, on the call side. Right, right, so right. I said, so I'll just do put spreads. Okay, and okay. I did, on one day I did a put spread and it stopped out with my Forex. Right. I did, an, and then I said, well, it's gotta bounce now. I'm gonna put another put spread on. And it stopped out again with a Forex. And I never had the call side to balance either of those out. Right, so right, right. But I made a few mistakes this month in July um, with respect to stop size and always having that, you know, iron condor in place in order to sort of pay for the other half that, um, you know, I learned, uh, learned a few lessons that cost me some money, but, um, you know, with, with always putting the condor on making sure you always collect the right amount of premium and reducing the stop size to three X, you know, I've, I created a little calculator that I posted to the group and it, you can oh, nice. put in all okay. your, it's a, it's a Monte Carlo analysis calculator. Uh, you okay. put in different percentages, you know, win rate, win loss percentages oh yeah that was you <laughs> i yeah, remember yeah, yeah. we had a conversation in the, in the group and i gave you my numbers and you ran okay no that's very cool um no so that, that allows me to play with it and i said yeah the 3x stop you know given a rate you don't know what the win percentage is right the market's going to do what the market does but you can kind of play around with you know maybe the win rate is anything from you know 45 percent to 55 percent or something right. like around those ranges for for an iron condor it turns out pretty good and so you know if i can if that's realistic which I think it is based on the data that you have published and other people have published uh, that I've seen in, in the file section and whatnot um, for, for a condor. It seems like, you know, this is a pretty good strategy. And, it, it, and then using those numbers and Kelly, you know, your position sizing is also a little bit smaller than I was doing earlier as a, as a percentage of your, uh, your capital. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a lot more comfortable now with the, with the mechanics, with the stop levels, with the amount of your risking. And so we'll see how this is going forward. Yeah. And so, you know, it sounds like you made a, a few different mistakes mechanic wise, but you, you learn from that. And and were you also scaling up contract size along the way? Um, did that play a part or? That was definitely you... a part because by the time June, so yeah, so I started out with just like one contract. And then as I got more familiar with it, I was trying to risk like my normal, which is like half a percent of my account um, per trade for like normal stuff. So I did that for a while. And by the time the end of June was rolling around, I had like a like a 90 something percent win rate and yeah so what was the biggest contract size you got to before you kind of put oh, a break i think on it things? was like uh maybe 12 contracts or so <laughs> that's a, for one okay so 
the reason I want to touch on that is something that you can do, especially since you're, you're into logging and tracking everything. Now, putting aside sort of the mechanics mistakes that you made, if it's a matter of scaling up, I know people always, uh, you know, if you get lucky, you scale up, and you make more, that's fine. But you, you always seem to lose when you scale up, right? Yep. So I like to do what I call a normalized trade log. And you can look at this as hindsight, but it's really a tool in which it's just Look at you keep your trade log the way it is, but make a normalized one and make all the contract sizes the same. That way you can evaluate how your performance would have been if you were just running it at that size the whole time. Right. Again, it's not to say, hey, I would have made more or try to fix a mistake. You can't do that, but it's more just evaluating the strategy. Yep. While isolating out that anomaly of the of the size changes, right? So that I've done that as well. I, okay, perfect. What I yeah, track perfect. actually, as far yeah. as analyzing strategies, is I, yeah. I I pull out the dollar amount and I just look at uh, win rate. Perfect. Percentage, yeah. Percentage win and percentage loss. And then do do normalize the try to do some kind of normalization to the sizes so you can. I mean, if you don't, that's that's what I do. I normalize them so that you can evaluate the expectancy without the kind of ups and downs of, of different uh, trade sizes. Yeah, I haven't, haven't done that far. I'm, I'm just doing okay. it so that it's basically a way I can, you know, get a Kelly number for that specific strategy, regardless of, of uh, you know, what your size, what your dollar amount is, you know, as a percentage of your account. Got that's it. kind of all I really cared about. And then you can extrapolate it to whatever account size you have. And I feel like that's a, another way of normalizing it, but it doesn't sure, give you sure. dollar amounts. Okay. Uh, the, way, the way I'm kind of thinking of it in terms of dollar amounts and, and percent, gain or loss of your account is using that um, Monte Carlo calculator I, I posted, yes, which is yes, you, that, you that, put that in all those sense. same numbers, you put in a exactly. starting account balance and it kind of figures it out. Uh, it generates random numbers based on the, the stats that you have yeah. and then kind of gives you an average. Okay, perfect. And then, um, so so kind of switching tracks a little bit here, as far as uh, you mentioned how you, you buddy introduced kind of tasty, kind of new tasty trade, you found the Facebook group. Has there been any other sources of education? Is there any books you looked at or like, or other uh, online free stuff like YouTube, Option Alpha, yeah, you, any, a lot of YouTube. Okay. A lot of YouTube. Um, I've actually learned a lot just by being part of this Facebook group for, for options specifically. Um, for, for other stock trading in general, I've, you know, I've read countless books, you know, Market Wizard books, uh, a lot of trend following books. Um, I can't think of the name on top of my head, like maybe trend following is one of the books. I forget, forget the author, but you know, there's, I have a lot of, a lot more knowledge on the, on the normal stock trading side of things. So if for options specifically, I would say most of my knowledge comes from you, some YouTube videos I've watched, uh, and just interaction with people in, in the, the Facebook group. And what about like, uh, a little bit more like the Greeks, are, are you fairly proficient or at least to know, like, if this happens, Delta goes up or down, Vega goes up or down, just to basics or, or very, very basics. I have, I have bookmarked the, uh, on my to-do list, watching the tasty trade, uh, Greek explanation stuff. Like I know, I know Delta. Yeah. I know, you know, I, I know the very high level, but yeah. I need yeah. To no, high, high level is fine. Cause I, I've said this before, like you don't need to be able to calculate what gamma is going to be right for, for whatever, you know, and Vega. But if you know, you know, there's five moving parts. And you know generally the direction each moving part goes when something happens, that lets you have a a grounded expectation of how a certain position will act, right? Mm -hmm. when, when the market does certain things. And like, you know, for, for a naked position, that's easy enough to do. But once you do like a spread or a you know, multi-leg position, iron condors, there's like so many things like 
I, I've seen people do like these kind of risk graphs and there's some weird shapes you can make. I mean, you can really, whatever assumption you have or thesis about the market direction, the market trend, whatever, you can craft, you know, an options trade that will capitalize on that, you know, mm -hmm. different time frame, different speed, different, you know, direction. So, so that's, there's a lot out there, but uh, having sort of the overall um, knowledge of, I guess, the, the, the moving parts, right? The general grasp will, I think that'll be helpful. Um, yep, that's definitely on my, I'm, I'm now I'm fascinated with options because I see how it is very technical, very systematic, and I'm just trying to learn more and more and more. That said, I don't want to overwhelm myself. So I'm kind of trying to get my hands dirty with these no overnight risk trades, um, see how, they, how they're working out. And then as I'm doing that, learn more about longer dated strategies and uh, just get more knowledge about uh, options in general. And, um, you know, seeing that you've only been learning about these for, for not that long, just obviously you, you don't know what you don't know. Everything's kind of new. Um, mm -hmm. ha have you found anything particularly lacking as far as education or anything particularly frustrating that you found hard to grasp? Or are you kind of just taking everything in stride? And You know, you know I'm just trying problem. to be a sponge right now and just take everything in stride. And, and if something doesn't make sense, that's where I have enjoyed the interaction in the Facebook group. I'll post things, I'll ask questions. And people have been, you know, there, there's a, it's a good community. They're, they're more than willing to share knowledge and, and help out and answer questions. And so um, it, that's kind of been a lot of the times when I am frustrated by something or don't understand something, I'll, I'll reach out and ask people. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's good to know. And I think, again, that's why I, I, I do, you know, this podcast and segments like this, just kind of giving back because I've gotten a lot from the community and like I said, I want to help encourage because there's a lot of people on there who, you know, it's, it's like 10,000. I, I didn't realize there was so many people, it was 10,000 people on there now. And like, there's probably like less than a hundred who, who post frequently. So like, yeah. um, there's like 9,900 lurkers, right? But kind of encourage people to like, hey, they, they see a familiar face and you know, they hear you talking and kind of maybe they're going through the same same experience and encourage people to reach out. Um, now, you know, you are obviously not new to investing, you know, new to options, not new to investing. So you kind of already have a, well, hopefully the kind of reasonable expectations of what the returns are. Um, what, when you took on options though, like what were your expectations? Like, what did you want to get out of it? Um, and you mentioned uh, just to kind of augment the lumpiness of the- um, Yeah, it was really more of that. It was, it was really more, I wanted an uncorrelated strategy that would smooth out the equity curve is really what I was looking for. And, you know, I'm always looking to get the most risk adjusted return and, and make sure that, I'm, you know, doing the best I can really. Right. So I don't really have expectations. I, I was just trying to see what's out there and uh, the way, this is why I like to do systematic approaches and make spreadsheets and you know, see what can I expect, you know, and, and, and see if there's a risk of, of blowing up or having severe drawdowns or, you know, looking at things from a holistic perspective um, and just making sure you're doing the, the best bang for your buck kind of methodology really is, is what I look for. Um, so my, my goal is obviously to do as, as good as I can without risking too much and blowing up. And so the, uh, my, my, ex my experiences in July with the, with the zero DTE and kind of not knowing what I was doing with the, uh, the stops and whatnot, that was really, um, I was going to say you got off easy. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, well, to me, that was disappointing because like, I'm usually way better at risk control than that. And so I got, I let that get away from me. And I think a lot of that was just my unfamiliarity with it. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn from your mistakes sometimes, but you know, risk control is key. You want to make sure you're not going to blow up. You want to make sure you have a stop on every position you, you know, you want to live to see another day. So 
I hear a lot of stories about traders who blow up account after account. Right, and right. I've, I've always been a lot more conservative than that historically. So when I had the, this drawdown off of my fantastic June month with this option strategy, it was like a wake up call for me that, hey, you know, get your act together because you're, you're not supposed to be risking this much at any time. Yeah, so. and, and it sounds like, you know, those mistakes in late, ju late June, early July were more from lack of knowledge about like, you know, the best practices and not necessarily lack in discipline. I mean, do you think you did anything that you know you shouldn't have done or was it all just experimenting and it didn't go? It was just more experimenting. Uh, the, making that looser stop on that 35 cent spread was something that I probably knew I shouldn't have done. And then I did it anyway. Like <laughs> uh, my, my trading plan going into this has always been to do a iron condor so that if I'm wrong on the direction, the other side helps out. And then, so when I got stopped out twice on the put side without having a call side to, to help support it, right, uh, right, that was against my trading plan. So okay, I, okay. that was a, that was a mistake too. So there was I, some rule breaking. I mean, you know, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I played with stops when I should have, and I didn't buy the call side when I should have. And that was really because I was trying to do that Delta five per Tammy's you know, presentation and I couldn't get a good premium from, for that. So I said, well, it's not worth it. I'm just going to stay away from the call side because the premium is not good. And, and really I should have come in on the strikes probably to, to get the premium in hindsight. But um, yeah, so, so really I, I always uh, preach having discipline, having a trading plan, having specific rules, if then statements that dictate what exactly you're going to do and why. And um, you know, I try not to trade on emotion or without a set rules and ideally a set of rules that I've back tested or have proven that actually will work out in the long run. Because, you know, one thing I've, I've done over the years is I've learned how to program in the trading view, uh, pine language mm -hmm. and trading view has back testing ability too. So you can, you know, if you have an idea, like, let's say I'm going to test out whenever this one move, moving average crosses over another one and see what happens. You know, you hear people talk about things all the time, right? Well, if you have a back testing engine, you can actually see if that if that works or not, or how good it is, or if there's any kind of edge to be had. And I have had so many ideas that where I thought they were great and rooted in good logic and I go program them up and I test them out and they're crap. And so, you know, everybody can have great intentions and think they know how things work, but without being able to prove it, you know, I don't trust it now because I've had so many experiences where my ideas have not turned out good. So um, that's why I was so excited to see Tammy's presentation about this, this zero DTE strategy, because it actually had back tests, it had data, you know, it wasn't just me winging it because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. So outside of, um, uh, the, the trading you do, do you do a lot of back testing? Is research a big part of your yes, kind of trading related I, activities? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm fascinated with research and learning new things and trying out new ideas. And, um, you know, I've, I have one strategy I've commonly have used for a couple of years now with minor tweaks, but um, always looking for something that might complement it or be better than it. And, you know, that kind of thing, just I'm always trying to be a student of the market. Okay. Yeah. Great. And, and so um, if you take a look at everything you're doing together, you know, with the options and the stuff that you, you've been familiar with, what is a, for you, a, good year look like in terms of return like what's a what's your expectation just on on average you know because people have different ideas of like and it kind of depends on your account size because as your account grows you have more at stake but you know just based on your goals and where you are in life now like what what will make you you know 
satisfied. Like that was a good year. Like what kind of you know, 10%, 15%, 20%. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like if I could do 20 or 30%, I'd be pretty happy with that. Last okay. year I did over 200%. So okay. yeah, it kind of gives you a range. I don't know. It's it, for me, it's, you know, if you can just put money in the S and P and make eight to 10% a year, not doing anything. Like, I feel like there's gotta be ways you can actually be an active participant in the market and, and beat that is kind sure. of my, uh, my going assumption. So it's just a matter of ways of uh, figuring out what those ways are. Yeah. It's funny because whenever people lag the S and P they're like, why am I trading if I can't beat the market? And then whenever <laughs> they try so hard to beat the market and, and uh, you know, take big risks, then, then they're like, why am I going to benchmark myself against the market? So you can never win, right? And so <laughs> that, that thing is like, you don't want to benchmark yourself, but then everyone does anyways. And it's, it's just always something in the back of your mind. So like, um, it's like a big distraction, but you know, I, I can tell you're, you're very well grounded because you mentioned earlier, you want the highest risk adjusted return, right? Cause you want to, you know, look at the drawdowns as well. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. the, the 50% drawdown last year was not something you would want to go through again, but you know, it, it happens, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't a pleasant experience. Uh, no, and that was, that was due to being over leveraged and then having a few gap downs. And then it was really choppy too. Like I was very heavily invested in a lot of the kind of speculative tech names, if you will, that were kind of high runners. And, you know, my trend following strategy works well with names that have a high ATR or, or move around a lot. And, you know, you're able to get in and out of them. And so if they have a big run up, you're able to capture that. And if they have a big run down, you're able to get out of it uh, during that time. But if it's sideways or chops around a lot, it just, that destroys my strategy. And so after about February of this year, a lot of those names went down off their peaks and then just proceeded to kind of just poke up enough to make my strategy trigger and then tank again. Yeah, yeah, very choppy. Okay. Yeah, real choppy. Okay. Uh, so I had a really bad, you know, Q1 this year is what it was. And do you have a, a written trade plan? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a trade plan based upon, well, I have, depending on what I'm, what the setup is, but basically I've got a set of rules that I execute um, per my rules. And then I have one also for these option strategies too. Right. Right. I've got a spreadsheet that I uh, keep track of all my trades and I even have little drop down little columns for, did I follow my rules on entry and exit? And am I happy or not that I did or did yeah, not follow yeah, you my rules? Give yourself a grade, right? <laughs> and I can track how good I do at my following my own rules. So it's not, you know, it's systematic, but it's still discretionary how I enter. And so uh, this way I can at least track how I'm doing uh, about following my rules as well. So. Okay. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I, that, that's pretty much all, all I had. You know, it's interesting because you, you, are new to options, as you say, but you clearly parlayed your previous experience, you know, it, it just the, the the discipline and the, the trade planning and all the, the execution and, and trying to apply that to this. And, you know, like I said, I, I think uh, I say you got off lucky in July, but maybe you didn't. You, you had enough control to not go go crazy because, you know, honestly, I always tell people like the worst thing that happened when, when starting something is trading is like you have too much success because yep. then you, you just you completely lose sight of like you know where where the risk lies and, and you just assume everything's gonna work perfectly so so yeah, the fact well, that Ju you're just you know, yeah back to july made me, sorry july made me realize where some of these traps are so in a way it was a good learning experience it was just an expensive one but you know making sure you don't take too little in credit making sure you're, you stick to your stop levels 
And for at least the zero DTE, I, I don't pretend to know where the market's going to go. You, I may have a feeling that it's going to go up or down, but like, you don't really know. And so I like the idea of being protected on both, you know, on either side by a call and a put with an iron condor. And uh, I did not do that. So having that protection in case you're wrong is, is important too. Okay. Well, great. Well, um, hey, so I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and being willing to uh, be, be my first experiment <laughs> on, on here. Um, I'm sure people in the group will, will enjoy kind of hearing your story and kind of connecting a voice with, with, uh, with what they see. And, you know, now that I remember you posting about the Monte Carlo, cause I, I like that kind of thing. So I know yeah. we exchange I'm, there, I'm so. a big, big spreadsheet yeah. fan and back testing fan and all, any kind of data I can get my hands on. I yeah. So, and uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing more of your posts and your thoughts on in the group. Uh, all right. Anyways, thanks again Thank you for having me. Yep.